The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. We're on spiritual warfare, and we talked a little bit. We opened it up a little bit last week, but this is really, I would say, kind of session one. We're going to be uh, diving into this uh, over the next month, and we're going to really launch it next week, but this is kind of just the beginning stages. We're on the runway. So, Father, I pray right now that you would uh, help us to hear your word and receive it. Today, God, let it bear fruit in our lives. Let us remember, Lord, what, what, what you speak to us through your word and through your Holy Spirit that we could go out and actually do something with it in our lives and the lives of others, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, we're going to do it. start out with an assessment. Who loves assessments? Give me an assessment. Okay, this is a, a group assessment. So we're going to do a little spiritual warfare assessment. All right, so I'm going to ask you guys some questions. And I want you to think about your answers because this will be part of the assessment. It's a two-part assessment. So this is part one. Do you ever feel like there's an unseen force holding back your life? Do you ever feel that way? Like, oh, I just feel like no matter what I'm doing, there's something resisting me. Ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like somehow you're being robbed of the peace and joy in your life? Like, I feel like I'm doing all the right things, but why don't I have the peace and joy that I'm supposed to have? What's going on? Okay, do you ever experience repetitive thoughts, emotions, or desires that don't align with God's will? Like, I'm trying to do the right thing. I woke up this morning. I was ready to go, and it just stuff's not lining up. It's just not working. Do you ever want to make better choices, but you're bombarded by temptations that set you back? Like Nicole's baking when you're trying to get healthy, and she rolls in with a you know, plate full of cupcakes and sprinkles. My goodness. The icing. That's all we eat. We don't even eat the cake. We don't, we don't even eat the cake. Do you ever feel that you're out of place in the world, and that your values seem to be constantly under attack? Do you ever feel that way? Okay, so think about any of those questions. Do you answer yes to some of those? One of those, two of those? Like, what number of those do you answer yes to? Okay, here's the second part. And we're going to put a shape up on the screen here. Uh, what shape do you see? Okay, what, do you, what shape do you see? Any guesses? Come on, be bold. This is not a trick question. A duck? Anybody see anything else? Rectangle? A duck. All right, we got, we, got a, we got a Star Wars fan. We got Mandalorian back here. So do you know what? So this white one with the feet and the bill, what do you see? A duck. All right, here, it's not a trick, okay? Listen, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, what? It's a duck. Okay, that's how it is. Anybody ever heard that before? It looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. That's a duck. Okay, look, if it looks like spiritual warfare, if it feels like, sounds like spiritual warfare, guess what? It's spiritual warfare. It's not a trick question. You are being opposed, and not just you because you're at the beat church or you because you're at another church. You as a human being, whether you're in a church or outside of a church, doesn't even matter. Whether you're saved or unsaved, whether you follow Jesus or don't, it doesn't make a difference. You are under attack spiritually because God made mankind in his own image. And so the devil hates that, 
and has had a spiritual agenda against that from day one to bring down God's creation. And so do you know what? If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, guess what? It's a duck. If you feel like you're under spiritual attack, and you're like, man, I feel like I'm under spiritual attack. It's like, oh, you're just, no, don't worry about that. You're fine. You just need a cup of coffee. Maybe you need more than a cup of coffee. Maybe you actually need to do something to engage the spiritual battle that you're actually already in. If I'm in a house and I step out and gunfire starts, and I'm like, I think someone's shooting at me. And somebody's like, no, you probably just need to put your jacket on. Like a total lack of awareness leads to what? Death in some, in some circumstances. You have to be aware and go, do you want, no, actually, no, there's stuff whizzing by my head. I think I'm getting shot at. If it looks like a bullet, it sounds like a bullet, and it goes through you like a bullet, it probably was a bullet. <laughs> like, it's, oh, we are in a spiritual battle. There are spiritual things going on in this world, and that's important to know. I'm going to put this back up on the screen. I, this is all kind of jammed into one screen, but I shared some of these last week, and I'm just going to retouch these real quick. Like, this is the world we live in. We've got devil worship at the Grammys. We've got, uh, you know, things like that that are extreme. The satanic temple has now got a club in schools all across the country. They're opening cl- after-school clubs. Okay, they're doing all kinds of stuff. And that's, the, that's them. But then look up here. Look at the white box. Ten sex scandals that rocked the church. Oh, the world is bad. Guess what? The church is bad too. There's a lot of bad going on out there. Just a couple of weeks ago, there was another news report of, of priests that were molesting kids. Do you know what? There's a lot of bad. We look at the world, but guess what? Look in the church. Look everywhere. There is a spiritual attack that is going against all of mankind. Men, women, doesn't matter. That there is temptation, there is perversion, there is all types of things to draw us in. Money scandals. People actually, well, in the world, all they care about is money. Well, you don't have to go to church too long to end up in a church where all they care about is money. Okay, that's out there too. It happens. Because we are actually in a battle. There's actually stuff going on to resist the work of God in the world, to resist God's plan, and to draw us away. Some things are not so overtly bad. Some things are just the way that we get lured in. You know, oh, man, I feel stressed out and anxious about just the state of the world or about my family member or about this situation or about the needs of the, of the foster kids in this community. You know, there's 5,000 of them last year that were sleeping inside of foster uh, offices, of CPS workers. That's true. Sleeping in offices because there's no homes. I feel really bad about that. I need to do something. You know what? I need to do something to calm down. I'm going to Netflix I'm just going to binge some shows. That's going to calm me down. Maybe you're stirred up in your heart, or maybe I'm stirred up in my heart because God's saying, don't try to tune it out. Don't try to solve it with another glass of wine or a beer or some more TikToks or another scroll. Stop. The reason you're stirred in your heart is because I want you to pray. The reason you're stirred in your heart is because I want you to pray, and then as you pray, I'm going to give you some instruction on what to do about it and take some action and make a difference in the world. And so sometimes it can be things like that that just actually just take away our focus. They just distract us and pull us away from actually engaging what's going on. Then we wonder why, why is everything going like this? Well, because we're not engaging. We're not engaging the, the battlefield of spiritual things that's going on around us. And God wants us to engage that. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, finally be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Not just the direct frontal attacks of the devil, but the schemes. 
There's schemes, there's things to discourage you, things to keep you distracted, things to keep you thinking about something else. Like, oh, I have all these marriage struggles and I don't understand why. Every time we try to move forward and do something to help out or serve or to get involved in the community, we seem to go through all these marriage struggles. Uh, hello? If it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Every time I try to read my Bible, I get exhaustedly tired or I get distracted or something happens. Well, guess what? Because there's a spiritual resistance to doing these things because when we do them, they have an impact. And the devil doesn't want impact for God. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There's things going on around us, and there's things that are happening that we can't see that are impacting life, bringing discouragement, bringing despair, bringing depression, bringing temptation, all these things. Well, why even live? This is really hard. Okay, we're going to get into that. Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand firm. So here, Ephesians 6, 14 through 17, let's get into what some of the armor is. The Bible talks about the belt of truth. Okay, we're not going to dive deeply into each of these today. We're going to kind of do that over the next month. But the belt of truth, what does a belt do? Hopefully it keeps your pants on, right? Unless they're stretchy pants. Then you don't have a belt, and it's whatever happens, happens. You're on your own with that. I sent Kira to school last week with stretchy pants that were too small. I pick her up from school, and she's like, my buns are sticking out. I'm like, yes, they are sticking out. I see that. So we went home, got some new pants before we went to the club. But a belt is supposed to keep things together. It's supposed to hold everything. So what does truth do? Truth holds things together. We lose truth, we lose everything. Our society is definitely losing truth. All kinds of truth. Not just godly truth. I mean, scientific truth, biologic truth, every kind of truth, gone. And what? Things starting to fall apart. Why? Because there's no truth. There's nothing to hold things together. Helmet of salvation. What attacks our mind Yet the salvation of Christ, that he has covered us, that he has given us his protection, he's given us his salvation, he's supposed to cover our mind from discouragement, from all these attacks. Breastplate of righteousness, a shield of faith, shoes of the gospel of peace, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word, which is the Bible. And so that's kind of what I'm going to focus on a little bit today is the Bible. And I'm going to start there because I think that it's the one piece of equipment that we really can't do without. Come on, would you... You can't do without any of them. He says, put on the whole armor. Yes, but all the other pieces, and we'll get into this over the next month, all the other pieces actually find their beginning and find their root in his word. One example, supposed to have a shield of faith, okay? But that's not a standalone item because where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So see, faith actually comes from the word. Okay, so as we go, truth comes from, I mean, we can go into these things and we will, but not today. We'll go over the next month. But this idea of the one that really, like, you have to have yourself locked in here because it affects the rest of your walk, the rest of your battle, is to be in the Word. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 is going to be the one that we're going to dive into for that. And um, let's see if I've got the ticket transferred over. I need that verse. I'll pull it up on my phone. 2 Timothy 3. I want to read this. And if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, you can turn there. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, he's talking about later times. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. 
I mean, we could just stop there. Like our culture is built on what? What kind of love? What's the most important love in our culture? It literally is. That's the most important love in our culture, self-love. That's not, that's not biblical. It's not a biblical Christian foundation. Are we supposed to love ourselves? Are we supposed to care for ourselves as God's creation? Yes, we are. Okay. But that's not a foundation. Everything doesn't grow from that. Things grow from our love for God and our love for each other. That's why the beat church is love God, love people, live like we mean it, not just love myself. But we're supposed to first love God. Our love grows, our appreciation. And in the process of that, as God builds us up and we find our identity in him, our love grows, our appreciation even for who God made us. David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So he knew that. But it says, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful. I don't have, I'm just reading the word. I don't even have to preach. Like you couldn't describe, I mean, this is like a self-portrait, a self-drawing of our generation right now, right? Which has always, by the way, been the case. It's just more overt now. It's just more celebrated now for us to be this way. Abusive, disobedient to their parents. (laughs) That happens. Well, I have parents, I still have a parent too, parents, and so... You know, it's, it's really, it's talking about more than just a disobedience. It's really talking about a disrespect and a dishonoring and a disobedience. It's like dishonoring. People don't care about anybody that's older than them. Oh, you're too old. You don't understand. But do you know what? Wisdom is in people that have been around for a while. There's some wisdom there. If I have a problem I got to solve and something going on in the church or something going on in my life, right, I'm not going to a 12-year-old, right? I'm going to like a 72-year-old. I'm going to somebody that's got a little bit of experience, Right? You go to this person that has a little bit of gray hair. The Bible calls gray hair as a, cl- a crown of glory, right? A crown of wisdom, right? I'll never experience that. Like, I'm going to get older. Ain't nobody coming to me because I got gray hair and a crown of wisdom. I'm going to grow up. People are going to be like, well, I guess that guy never got wisdom. I'm going to get a transplant. When I hit my 60s, I'm going to get a transplant, like get implants, and I'm going to do it in gray. And then I'm going to dye it dark just so I can be a part of the, be a part of the crowd. Uh, but this is what happens, is that we become disobedient and, and, and disrespectful of elders, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. Not just the church, but I mean, our whole culture is what? It's a cancel culture, which is what? It's unforgiveness, right? It's total unforgiveness. Like, oh, you did that 42 years ago, but we found it and you're done. That's it. I'm not even the same person. Nope, we found it. You're out. It's just a a complete culture full of unforgiveness, slanderous, without self-control, self-control shamed upon. You're supposed to try and do whatever you want. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form, now here's, here's the important part, especially for us as believers. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And other translations talk about it actually translates that denying its power to change their lives. So in other words, it's not just power like, well, I deny its power. I don't think God can, I can pray for you and be healed. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about denying its power to change me. Like I'm a believer, but this is still my feelings. I still have my bitterness. I still have my depression. I still have my anger. I still have this. God can't change that. It's just denying his power. I still have all my old ways, but I'm a believer and I don't even try because it's just who I am and God loves me anyways. God does love you anyways. He loves you enough to change you. He loves you enough to pull you out of that. Thank God that he loved me enough to not leave me as an alcoholic. 
Okay, thank God that he loved me enough not to leave me buried in my anger and all my problems. Thank God that he loved me enough not to let me keep hiding in my closet with social anxiety. Okay, he loves us, but he loves us enough to change us, enough to help us, enough to move us forward. And that's what he's trying to do. So when you read through this, this is what it's talking about. I'm going to skip down a little bit. It says, you, however, know all about my teaching. Starting in verse 10, he says, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. He says, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Praise the Lord. Amen. We'll see you next week. Everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Why? Because you're not going to fit in. You're not going to fit in. You don't fit into this world. Why? Because you're trying to live a godly life. And that's not what this world's about. And so don't plan on, well, I'm just going to live this way and everybody's going to love me, everybody's going to like That's just not how it works. You don't have to go out of your way to be obnoxious and be unliked. You will just have some people unlike you anyways. You don't have to get in their face. You can try to be loving and caring. And you're still going to turn some people off. And that's okay. Not everybody has to follow you. Not everybody has to like you. Not everybody has to approve of you. And this is what he's talking about that he's going through. And he said, everybody will go through this while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Things will get worse. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures. You can see now we're getting to the Word. All this stuff's going on. All this craziness. We're like, yep, seen it. Yep, know that. Yep, happening. And he says, okay, but there's the Scriptures that you've known. And he says, they are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. They're able to make you wise for salvation, to be saved, to be saved from what's going on, to be saved from the chaos, the temptation, the discouragement, all the bombardment of things, that if you're in the scriptures, you can have wisdom on how to actually be saved from that internally, emotionally, mentally, in your marriage, in your family, in your own life, in these different areas, if you're in the scripture. All scripture is God-breathed, means he brings life to it, he started it. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's not just an inspiration book, a book of quotes. I got this one. Bless me indeed. Open up my horizons. Yes, bless me indeed. Open up my horizons. But I, claim, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans to prosper you. I've got that on my wall. It's awesome. But what happens when you get up the next day and guess what? His plans for me are to prosper and God's will is always done, but I'm not prospering. I'm going through a hard time. I'm going through a difficulty. But when we just take little quotes out and little promises out and we pin them up and we use them, then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm trying to do this, but it doesn't match my actual experience. So either I'm doing it wrong or God's a liar. Why? Because the whole Bible, the whole scripture is good for teaching and rebuking and training and bringing wisdom. And you have to read the whole thing. You have to understand both the principles and the promises. You have to understand our responsibilities that God gives us. If we want to prosper, we want to get wealthy, the Bible says the hand of the diligent will rule. In Proverbs, the hand of the lazy comes to slave labor. It's like, man, I've been praying, I've been promising, I'm even giving and God's not blessing me. How's your work ethic? 
I'm being still and knowing that he is God. But he says to be diligent. And it's understanding the principle and the promise and bringing them together and really knowing the word, not just looking for inspirational quotes to get us excited, but to also look for, Lord, what is it that you want to do in and through my life? How do you want me to operate? How do you want me to be conformed to you? How do you want me to change the way I live and the way I think and the way I do things so that my life will actually line up with this? And so that's why the word is so important to us. Look at this next slide. This is um, SatanCon 2023. This is happening in Boston. It's the largest gathering in history of satanic members. Do you want to go? You can't. Why? Because it's sold out. It's sold out, and it doesn't actually happen until April. I'm still trying to get everybody in for the men's retreat. We got room. Just, that's just a joke. Stop. But they're sold out. Why? Because it's real. People really want to serve the devil. Well, now it's just, it's, just, it's just for fun. No, people really want to serve the devil. The devil has some power. The devil gives people stuff. He offered Jesus some things in the desert, in the temptation. We talked about it last week. Not because he couldn't give it, but because he could. He could give them some power over some cities. He could give them some ability to have some of the things that he was going to have to sacrifice and, and lay himself down for and do it in service of others. The devil could have shortcutted him and gave him some other things. You don't have to Google very, very much to see all types of artists and wealthy people and even athletes and politicians on video talking about how they've sold their soul to get their wealth. Move forward. He is able to give you some stuff. If you want pleasure tomorrow without having to like really serve and sacrifice, you just want to go have some fun and have some pleasure, the devil can give you that. He can absolutely give you that. You can walk out of here tomorrow, go hit the clubs, go do whatever you want. The devil can give you that. It's what he tempts with. It's what he pulls with. It's what he brings his ire with. But the end leads to destruction. The end leads you there. That's where it takes you. God's way is harder. It's more difficult. It's more challenging. It's death to self, picking up our cross, following him. And yet in that, life comes in us and in those around us. It's what he does. Looking at this again, I'm going to put this back up because I just really want us to just think about this. This is duck. This is not trick, guys. Life feels the way it does because there actually is a spiritual battle going on. There's a spiritual war. There's spiritual things happening. And if you want victory, you have to wake up and engage. I have to wake up. We have to wake up and engage. Does that mean protesting everywhere? No, not necessarily. But it means sometimes if I'm burdened for a friend that I know is going through a hard time in their marriage, or I know they're going through a hard time with alcohol, or I know they're going through a hard time with something, then instead of being like, oh, that's too bad for them, and boy, that stresses me out to hear about that, so I got to just go watch this one more show, or I'm going to stay at work because I'm struggling here. But to stop and go, Lord, I'm going to stop, I'm going to engage this battle, and I'm going to spend some time in prayer. The Bible says that God looks all over the land for someone that will stand in the gap, and he could find nobody. Say, Lord, I'm here. I will pray for that person. Or I will call them and give them a verse of encouragement. I will be the one to do that. I will step into that. 
I will show up. I will deliver stuff to a foster kid. I will help that mom in need. I will do something. Lord, I'm going to pray because I need your power and strength to do it, and I need your motivation to do it, but I'm going to step into this, and I'm going to take some action. And I'm going to be a part of the solution here in whatever capacity that is that God gives you. There are two things I want to share. One is the Bible plan right here. And I'm doing this early because I just want you guys to scan it. This is one way. If you want to get skilled in your word, you want to get skilled in the battle, skilled with your sword, you've got to read the Bible. You've got to actually read it. You've got to know what it says. You've got to know that it's there. Many people have heard on YouTube or from a preacher or from somebody says, God won't give you more than you can handle. The Bible says that. Guess what, guys? The Bible doesn't say that. But you wouldn't know if you're not reading the word. It doesn't say that anywhere. From Genesis to Revelations, it's not in there. But somebody can say, it's, man, the Lord said, did he? But we need to know. And the only way to know that is actually be in the word. People died to get the Bible interpreted into common language. People were burned at the stake for that. Why? Because people in power try to hold on to it and not let people have that themselves. We have it. We can have it on a phone, on an app, on paper, but we got to read it for it to matter. We have to read it to engage it. But reading is the first start. Second is getting skilled in it. And that's what uh, you saw a bunch of bulletins on your seats, but I want to talk to you about that. I brought some stuff here, some things I'm really good with, and some things I'm not. So this is my nail gun. And it can shoot about 14 feet. So if I point at that TV up there right now, I don't have a battery on because I'm keeping you all safe. Okay. Donnie, can I come work for you tomorrow and just start running this thing? Probably not. Why not? <laughs> nope. I don't have the skill for it. I don't have the skill. Okay? I don't know where the nail's going. I don't know how long the nail is. I don't have the skill. I'd have to actually know how to use this before he's going to let me get involved in building this house or working on a project. Because you actually need to know what you're doing. Well, the Bible's the same way. Sometimes we're trying to build something out in our life, and we're throwing scriptures at it that don't even apply to it. We're throwing scriptures at it. The Bible talks about it. It talks about there'll be people that say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. That they're crying out, oh, everything's good. God's blessing. God's blessing. But the person's living totally as a church so that their prayers aren't hindered. And you could be a guy that's like disrespectful, rude, totally uncaring for your wife. You don't sacrifice for her. You don't lay down for her. You don't protect her. You don't watch over for her. But then on the other side, you're praying up a storm about the blessing of God over your life. You don't know the word because you're not under the blessing of God in your life. He's not listening to your prayers because you're not walking out his love for the church in your relationship with your wife. But you have to know the word in order to know that. These are metal snips. My uncle gave me these. Not this exact pair, but my uncle Harv gave me a pair of these for my first car. So this was years ago. I had a sunroof. Long story short, I lost the glass because I didn't put a pin in it. It was an aftermarket. Lost the glass. I blew the engine because I didn't put oil in it. I got a new engine put in it. I drove to the place. I got a new glass. It was going to be too expensive, so I went to the uh, U-Pull it. I got a whole sunroof, a brand new one. But it was the wrong size for my car. So I called my uncle. I was trying to get ideas. And he says, well, you could get some metal snips and snip the hole to the right size and then drop your thing in. I'm like, perfect. Got his snips. Sat up on top of my car. I looked over at the sunroof. 
I looked at the top of the car, sat the sunroof on top, drew around with the Sharpie, set it on the ground. I'm like, looks about right. And I just cut, 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 cut. Got all that metal cut, dropped the sunroof in. I had about this big a gap all the way around the side of it. In a state in Oregon where it rained all the time. And I'm looking into my car through the gap. I'm like, oh, no. You can't put the metal back. Thank God for silicone. I put so much silicone into that thing to goop it in there. And thank God that you can sell cars because I sold it shortly after that. On a sunny day, praise the Lord, <laughs> before it could rain. But I put this thing in. I put all this goop in there. Do you know what? Because somebody gave me equipment, but I didn't know how to use it. And if you don't know how to use something, sometimes you can do more damage than good trying to use it. If you don't know the word and you're just trying to grab verses and just throw them at stuff, sometimes you can actually cause more harm to yourself or to the life of someone else than if you actually know the word. Because maybe they're, going back to the financial part, maybe they're actually not being a good steward of their money. They're not taking care of it. They're not watching their stuff. They're not working. They're not being diligent. You're like, but if you're a giver, God's going to give back to you. Press down, shake it together, running over. You just need to give more. And they're giving and giving and giving and giving. And their spouse is like, we can't pay our bills. And he's like, don't worry, I'm giving. God's going to bless me. But you don't even have a job. You're giving off a credit card. But I'm doing it in faith. Because they don't know the word. And so they're hurting their whole family. They're hurting their whole life. And so this is going to happen if we don't know the word. I got these from Pastor Art. Thank you for the gloves. If I throw these gloves on, Pastor Art, can I just go over there and get in a, when's the next tournament? April? Can I just show up with these? Get in a fight? What would happen? <laughs> what would happen to me? I get knocked out. If I just roll up, I'm like, man, I got my gloves. Let's go. It's going to roll in. Some guy's been in there working out, getting ready to go. I go up against Hyro. Let's go. Let's do it. Go grab some gloves right now. Let's get it on. What's going to happen? And she loves me. I'm in trouble. Okay, what makes you think that you can just pick up a Bible and throw scriptures at, at an enemy that has thousands and thousands and thousands of years' experience taking people out with the Bible, by the way? It was the Bible that he used against Jesus. Remember that? He was using scripture. You can just pick up the Bible and just throw verses at stuff and think, oh, I'm going to win the battle just because you're randomly pulling a verse out. You've got to know the word. You've got to know how to use it, which brings me to this, something I do know how to use sword. This is my razor. Ow. Okay. You got to know how to use something, right? If, I, if, if an intruder came into my house and I whipped this thing out, okay, what could possibly happen? I could get shot if you had a gun. I could potentially have this, what could happen? I could potentially have this taken away from me, and then what? Used on me. I could end up getting hurt worse just by the fact that I pulled it out. Okay? So you can actually do the same thing with the word. It's a sword. The Bible says it's a two-edged sword. The thing's sharp. 
You can pull it out to try to use it for good and find out that somebody's using it back on you to bring condemnation or to tear you down or, or even just in my weakness. And I'm weak in this area. I'm weak in being faithful. I'm weak in, in, in caring for others. I'm weak in forgiving. But don't worry about that because God's strength is perfect in my weakness, so I don't have to forgive because his strength is still perfect, so I don't have to forgive. I'm fine. And then the bitterness eats us up because I'm using a verse wrong to give myself permission to do wrong. And so we have to actually know the word if we want it to actually get into our heart and begin to change our life and to work for us in this spiritual battle. And so this is my challenge today is that I want everybody to do. If you look around, there was some, uh, and there should be one next to you or in a seat in front of you, you'll see the blue bulletins. On the back of that bulletin is uh, actually a little uh, worksheet. It's a small one. But on the back of that, it's a worksheet, and it says that at the top box, it's like, how do you see yourself being attacked? Like, what's going on in your life? What's happening with, with you? Like, what troubles you? What's coming after you? What's against you? Write those things down. But then the other two, okay, what's your responsibility? What's the Bible says your responsibility? What are you supposed to do regarding that? And really look first, do I have the scripture? No, it's for you to look. Right? If I want to learn to box, right, I can't just go, well, I got the gloves on, but I'll have Hyro throw the uppercuts for me. And then I'll get better by watching him. It doesn't work like that. I got to put in the work. So getting in the word, you can use Bible references. You can use Bible apps. You can search for terms. You can go on Google. It takes a little bit of work, but you can get in your Bible. You can search and go, this is my problem. Do I have any responsibilities in this? that I'm supposed to do, anything that I'm supposed to work at. And then that other section is, what are some verses that are keys to victory? What are some things I can claim? What are those promises? What are those things that God says that, I, that, that he will do? If I'm holding up my responsibility, if I'm engaging my part, what will God do in my life? Because as an individual, not just as a church, but as an individual, if you want your life to move forward in the things that God is calling you to, if you want your mental health, emotional health, spiritual health to get better, your physical health to get better, if you want your relationships to get better, if you want to move forward in a world that's doing everything it can to pull those things apart, first thing you have to do is you have to know his word so that you can actually put up a fight. Not just your own ideas, your own thought, your own encouragement, or some good psychological stuff, a couple of good affirmations and motivational things, but, but some things that are actually going to be solid based on God's word, some truth. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to claim this. Why well, I'm claiming it, but I'm also doing my responsibilities because I understand the full counsel of his word and I'm going to go after this. And I'm willing to engage in the fight. If you do that, you'll start to see breakthroughs in the area that you're struggling in. You'll start to actually see progress. Doesn't mean, oh, first time, I just, man, I got up and I did my responsibility. I was diligent today and I claimed a verse about God you know, the victory, God gave me the power to gain wealth. So now tomorrow I'm checking my bank account. There's still nothing in it. That didn't work. It takes a little bit of effort. It takes a little bit of training of building yourself up in the word and the knowledge and how to use and how to apply it. And as you do, you'll begin to find victory after victory after victory after victory. The cool thing, I'm going to end on this. David, in the Bible, he came and he fought Goliath. The whole army was, stead, was stayed back because they couldn't go up against the giant and everybody was afraid. Once David killed Goliath, if you actually continue to read through the Old Testament, there's all of these other stories about how his sons and the other men ran, and it would be like, and they chased down this 
giant that had six fingers, and they chased down this giant. And they, once he had conquered the giant, it began to have an impact on everyone around him, and they all became giant chasers. Because your victory leads to other people having the courage and the faith to have victory. And that's how you build momentum as a body, as a church. But first, it takes individuals going, you know what? I want to get strong in the word. I want to fight this battle. I want to win. And then people start to share their victories. Hey, I'm having a victory in this. Hey, I'm beating this. Hey, I'm coming. And start to share. Man, I'm going to have a victory. And we all begin to get encouraged and begin to move forward. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray, God, as people go through this worksheet, first of all, that they will go through it. Pray that you'll uh, draw them and encourage them to do that. Lord, take the time. And I pray that as they do, God, that you will help them understand what the issue is they're facing. Or take them to some scriptures on what the responsibility is. And God, give them scriptures of victory that they can hold on to. Lord, we want to engage. Lord, not ignore the battle. Father, we want to win Lord, the battle in our lives. God, I know that every person here, Lord, has your spirit. Lord, every person here has that ability, Father, to do that, Lord, as they call upon you, Lord. And I pray, God, that they would be equipped and stirred, Lord, to use the tools that you've given them. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.